Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode. And you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowers, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema, and this is going to be a bit of a different show because I wanted to release an episode on the 1983 Michael Mann film, The Keep, And we had previously done the Michael Mann retrospective where I thought we went over that film quite thoroughly with the guest of that episode, Kid Polaroid, who is the composer of Mass State Lottery. And I recently watched The Keep again because a 35mm print of it that was uploaded to the internet made its way into my hands. And I may wind up doing another show on The Keep at another point where I can go into deep details about the visual style and flair and the gore and the costumes and the special effects because it's all worth talking about many times over. But for now, I wanted to re-release this episode uh, strictly about The Keep because of my own enthusiasm about that film. If you had heard the Michael Mann episode that we had previously done, this is going to be a familiar discussion for you. But if you're coming in fresh, enjoy the show. I, I'm I'm very, I have a penchant for all kinds of like lost films and and unmade films. Weird. And the keep is something that now you could always buy it on Amazon for like a dollar ninety nine, but you're gonna get probably like a VHS transfer of that because nobody has gone out of their way to mm. refurbish that film or, or restore it or or go and you know grab the original print, and clean it up. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? Especially with how many old shitty movies have been. <laughs> put out now uh and and that's not an insult just you know that's that's the 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 goal that they go for those b movies or those low budget you know shitty films but this movie's not terrible i mean it's watchable there are points the effects might be shit but it's very watchable and the story is interesting enough uh for me to wonder why no one's done a re-release or like a new transfer that has probably more to do with michael mann I don't think, I mean, Michael Mann does not like this movie. He disowned it. He's tried to bury it on a number of occasions because the studio took his three and a half hour weird uh, epic Epic. and chopped it down to 90 minutes, which is what this film probably should be is 90 minutes. What at this place? for sure. This place was not built to keep anything out. This place was built to keep something in. You must not stay here. 
Something has been released. Something. Did you find what you were looking for? Did you expect to find me? What are you? Whatever kills us gets in anyway. Nothing we do, no security works. I've been so curious about this movie for the longest time. I, I bought a bootleg Blu-ray of it off a Instagram vendor earlier this year. I watched it not really knowing what to expect. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think this movie was as big of a mess as you know history has painted it to be. There's certainly some issues yeah. with it. And I, I don't really think that's the fault of even the studio who chopped it up. Like the guy who did the special effects in this movie wound up dying, I think... Immediately, immediately when they began, like he made all the props and everything. He's like, good to go. And then he just drops dead when they, you know, have to apply them to the film. So it's the curse of the key. Yeah, the curse of the key. It's the monster. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I will say, you know, I, I've read the book uh, that this movie's based on. And the tone of the book is so different from the tone of the movie. The movie is this weird oddly like spiritual monster film yeah and you don't really know what it's trying right to be, yeah, really. yeah there's so much in it that it's kind of confusing or difficult to figure out what it's completely going for. and the book feels more like a traditional like vampire story it's a it's essentially like a dracula novel incorporating uh, german soldiers and ss soldiers occupying this you know this fortress and it, it it plays out in that way. And there's also zombies and all this and that. And that doesn't yeah. really seem to be a factor with the Keep 1983. It's really just this big brooding monster that likes to manipulate people and kill people off. Maybe, maybe that's on the cutting room floor. That's the hour and a half we didn't get. The zombies. Yeah, maybe. I'm hoping a lot of what was on the cutting room floor was the romance between... Glaken and the woman because that romance moves so fast. Uh, I have to assume it's part of that ninety minutes. The reptilian guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope a little bit more of his backstory was probably in that ninety minutes too. Yeah. What did you make of the performances in this movie? It was weird to see old Ian McKellen in. That's that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In being old forty years ago, <laughs> I was not expecting him to pop up. I didn't know who was in it at all, and then when he popped up, I was like, "Oh shit, he's old." This has a and pretty solid cast. Uh, yeah, they have Ian yeah, McKellen. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean more than you would expect for this type of movie, uh, especially Julia Louis Dreyfus. He had yeah, <laughs> but it was just kind of jarring because. It, the movie came out 40 years ago and he was already old back then. So it's just like, how fucking ancient is this man? But yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. It, it's it's a weird movie to uh, criticize because, again, it's all over the place and you don't really know if you're supposed to take everything seriously or not or is it, you know, on the cheek? I don't know. It it was fine. I, I don't really have a lot to shit on besides the <clears throat> uh, the, the last fight with the lasers yeah. that looked like shit. Yeah. I'm assuming that, you know, it's just the time. You didn't have the the means to do it, but yeah, it looked like like garbage. No, I mean, but besides, yeah, it's just, you're you're yeah. right. It's it's hard to criticize this movie when it feels it it almost feels unfinished. It feels mm-hmm. very cobbled. Like there's another movie that uh, came out in I think 2005 called Dominion, which was Paul Schrader's version of the Exorcist prequel that he got fired off of after completing that, and they released that out to like video on demand maybe about a year after Rennie Harlan's Exorcist prequel, Exorcist the Beginning came out. And a lot of it felt unfinished. Like the visual effects were not even done, and they still put this movie out and sold it. It was... Oh, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's very disjointed. And that's kind of what The Keep reminded me of at points. It just felt... It felt like, well, what do we have done with this movie? What scenes are completed enough? Okay, we're going to stick these together. And it works just decently enough that it's passable. Like, I don't think the average person would identify that in their viewing of The Keep. They would probably just think this is a boring movie or this movie sucks or mm-hmm. something like along those lines. Yeah, it's not. I, I get that same feeling, too. You can rip on this movie all day for a lot of reasons, but... It's very obvious that it's just unfinished, so it is kind of unfair. I mean, they did release it though, so you know they still put it out there for the world. But um, I, uh, I I could criticize it, but at the same time, I still love watching it. It's it's a very weird uh, love hate uh, kind of thing I have with this film. There's plenty of it's, interesting creative choices that are made with this yeah. movie, and especially like the visual design and the soundtrack and ev- everything on that level is totally competent it's just how it's all mashed together is where it falls apart yeah do you think he's he buried it because it's the only movie in his career that's got such a fantasy theme of vampires and nazis i don't know i don't know why he did this movie this is this movie is very unlike him they're like very crime crime like is usually about crime is usually about someone trying to get over something and you know still carrying that shit like you know like it's not it's nothing <laughs> nazis and vampires you know like it's very completely different to any other movie that he's made i guess well you don't even yeah. get the impression in this movie that it's a vampire right he yeah. he transforms the the monster a bit or he brings out certain aspects of it to make it seem uh you know more like a general monster i don't know yeah, yeah. it's it's a very peculiar film, but that's also, I, I, I think, part of its appeal, for me anyway, is uh, it, it is unlike anything else in his filmography. It's an odd choice, especially to go with following Thief for your second film. You want to do this big fantasy <laughs> epic. Three hours. It's three and a, three and a half hours. The size of those balls, dude. Can you imagine <laughs> your next movie is going to be three hours and it's a fantasy movie in Romania? I don't know if they filmed it in Romania, but it's supposed <laughs> to be there, right? In a fucking mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the second movie. Village. It, it's extremely ambitious. And if I didn't 
know if I saw Michael Mann's films and didn't know the timeline, I would assume that this was probably his breakout film just because it is very confused and lost and uh, it's unfinished. It seems, it seems, I mean, it kind of would have been his first film in a certain genre if he had kept going in that direction. Uh, but it seems like he decided to just not even try with the uh, Indiana Jones-esque kind of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I like it for its ambition. I, I think a lot of the special effects uh, are actually really quite cool um, considering all of the context. Uh, like the scene where Molisar is first talking to um, Ian McKellen's character and after the conversation, they just show this shot where he's standing there with his hand on Ian McKellen's shoulder and they're in front of this window and the light's coming through. That shot's very epic looking. All the shots of the keep, they're walking into the door and you see the keep all the spikes. Yeah, yep. The keep looks badass too. Just It's literally a giant stone fortress. So the, the three-hour cut, that doesn't exist then? That's never I, been released. And... I don't know. I mean, it, it's difficult to say. People are always like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they got rid of the original prints. Da, 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 da. But they always seem to exist. They always turn up at some point. I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they're buried somewhere on the Paramount lot in some, some form, maybe even just video dailies. I think, I, think the, I think we'll probably wind up seeing that movie before Michael Mann is dead, or maybe after Michael Mann is dead, because he, really, oh, cool. he really hates this movie. He, does, he never probably wants after. to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but it did get a release recently on DVD, somewhat restored from, I think, they, I don't know if they actually got access to the original prints or if they just took the laser disc and cleaned it up a little bit. But over in Australia, they had released a region-free DVD of it I think this year. So maybe there might be some hope for that or some kind of special edition Blu-ray. I know Shout Factory is really like killing it as far as weird, obscure horror movies go. And this would totally be up their alley. So maybe something like that could come down the pike or if Criterion wants to acquire that. I don't think it would be that Mm -hmm. difficult. They did put out Thief. So who knows? It's strange that Michael Mann also hates it it seems to me i'd have to assume that this was a passion project of his because it's so out of left field and i assume it must have had a lot of meaning to him because he's doing jericho mile he's doing miami vice he's writing for crime tv and then he does thief yeah and then all of a sudden he does this crazy like folklore um it's very esoteric and my assumption is that this was like his all like his own, like like it was his own project, his own passion project. And that maybe the studio screwed him over and the budget didn't come through. Or it was somehow was left unfinished and maybe he resented that. But I didn't actually expect him to resent the film and the endeavor itself. Uh, it's, you know, it's fair for everyone else to to hate it, I guess. But I didn't expect for him to hate it so much. It's almost like, what were you even doing then? Like, why were you even... What did you expect? <laughs> you know? It's very Josh Trank. Yeah, I, w- I was <laughs> literally about to say that. That's that's a total Josh Trank move. So Josh Trank directed the Fantastic Four that Fox put out before they were acquired by uh, Marvel Studios proper. And he was really into doing this Fantastic Four movie and making it like a David Cronenberg film. 
very body horror. And there's aspects of it that are really cool, especially for a modern superhero movie. Character designs are like creepy in a Superman 3 kind of way. I, I really like those aspects. And then it just completely turns into a different film in like the last 40 minutes. It turns into yeah. uh, Cheese Whiz. It's awful. It's, it's really bad. And uh, Josh Trank took the brunt of that. The studio took it away from him, made their own movie, and uh, you know applied you know his scraps that he had left behind. And for a while, he was like, well, fuck the studio, fuck the studio, fuck the studio. Then he gets a little bit of a taste of Hollywood again. He's working with Tom Hardy on that Capone movie. And he's like, so me and my shitty film, right, guys? You know, oh, that yeah, movie yeah. sucks. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even look at it anymore. It's, it's terrible. It's like, you, you, you coward. How, how dare he deleted, you? He deleted all his old tweets. Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure that no one, yeah. Yeah, because he, he before the movie came out, I think he he said something on Twitter shitting on it. Yep, before the movie yep. was released. <laughs> yeah, he stood by his cut of the film up until again recently. His name comes up and he's making movies again because he realized, okay, that door is going to remain permanently shut if I say anything bad about the executives who took this away from me. Who do you think is opening doors for him though after Capone? Uh probably foreign financiers. I I I mean. That's always the way to go after you've been blacklisted. Like I, I put up a post yesterday about Dennis Hopper where he had certain behaviors on his second movie that got him blacklisted, like disappearing for multiple days because he was addicted to heroin or something. Not rape, Hans. I know I know that face. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you never know. It's Hollywood, right? Yeah, you're right. So uh, the the move then is to just go over to Europe and be like, hey, I'm a commodity now and try to make deals that way. They kind of get into that a little bit in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leo's character. Once he's kind of washed up in yeah. Hollywood, go to Europe. So Italy? Yeah. 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 So so do you think he's going to end up directing those Russian Steven Seagal movies? Honestly, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Josh Trank. We'll see. We'll see how Capone uh, fares on VOD once the year is up, you know? Still, still early. Maybe he'll get an Oscar. Who knows? Not much competition this yeah. year. So uh, the keep. What else can be said about the keep? What did you guys make of the uh, the design of the the monster in this film? I thought that was probably the best part, honestly. I I love how Molasar looks, especially uh, how he evolves too. Yeah, I like that. He starts off kind of, you know, he actually. I think maybe the reason why he doesn't look like a vampire like he's supposed to in the book. Uh, is because he's probably, I think he's supposed to represent like a golem. Yes, yeah. And he, he kind of looks like he's put together out of clay when he's finally in his final form. He's very smooth and gray looking, almost like futuristic looking while he's in this old village town. He doesn't really look like a ghost or demon or a vampire. He looks like almost like a cyberpunk monster. Um, and the glowing eyes and the mouth, I thought that was so so cool. Oh, and the the way they use um, when he's still kind of like half put together, he's kind of like still spirit. Uh, they use like fog and fans to like make him look like a an apparition. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that looked really cool too. Which is his eyes glowing. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. awesome. It, it kind of looks skeletorish to me at times, which I'm not complaining about. Uh, but yeah, the, the the design was cool. It was creepy, but and I think it it fit really well with the the lore of it being in a village and it being some type of 
you know, monster that is kind of nondescript, kind of like we don't really know exactly what he is. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it looked really good. He also has badass traps at the end of that. <laughs> so Michael Mann's The Keep is taken away from him and it winds up bombing commercially. And he goes back to television. 